Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of your Brains Coach podcast. My name is Angela Sharina. I'm your host, I'm your Brains Coach, and it is my job here to learn and share all the brain-body tools from different realms of different sciences to give you ideas and precise data and tools and protocols, all with a purpose to help you feel, look, and do your absolute best, with a purpose to help you to learn how to make your brain-body function at their best so you could create the best life experience that is possible for you. Today, folks, we're going to talk a lot about brain nutrition and also from Peter Atia, MD. He is now, I think, kind of famous uh, medical practitioner, physician in New York City. And uh, Peter has his podcast and he releases his videos and he has a newsletter. So in the uh, he actually just came out with a book. It's going to be available on Amazon for um, ordering and reading um, starting tomorrow, March 28th. And the book is Outlive and I'm definitely reading it. Like Peter Atia, you know, he has so much precise data and wisdom and experience in this realm of, he kind of gathers different protocols and data and research all around the art and science of living longer and living better. And he's also one of the best physicians out there who is absolutely committed to helping his audience, but also, of course, his patients to outlive, I don't know, the um, best uh, possible scenario uh, for their life, feeling and doing better. Right. So Peter, in his newsletter, shared his, this news about a new drug. So the title of the article in Peter's newsletter is, Can a new drug mimic the effects of exercise on bone and muscle? So the researchers in Tokyo uh, developed this drug that the main purpose, I believe, is to help people who for some reason cannot move. Um, like, for example, you, you or, you know, somebody gets a hip fracture and uh, um, they, because of that, they cannot exercise. And because of that, they are losing a lot of muscle mass and bone mass. And when we get older, getting that muscle and bone mass back gets super, super, super difficult um, because of different metabolic changes. And because of that, things like hip fractures can actually be deadly for a lot of people of certain age. And so the um, researchers um, from Tokyo Medical and Dental University They were on a mission to figure out a molecule, a drug that can help people to prevent that muscle and bone um, loss, especially when, for some reason, one reason or the other, people cannot move. So um, they they took this approach, figuring out a single molecule that would stimulate proliferation and differentiation in muscle cells and osteoblast bone-forming cells while inhibiting bone-resorbing uh, 
cells. So efficacy in vivo, after finding the desired effects on muscle and bone and bone cells during in vitro experiments, basically on cells. So um, they decided to experiment on mice. And when administrate uh, administrated daily via an oral route in healthy mice, that drug, that is, uh, the abbreviation is LAMZ, effectively entered the bloodstream and was taken up by muscle and bone. After 14 days, the mice treated with the drug had increased muscle fiber width, which translated to fewer episodes of fatigue during a fixed 15-minute duration of treadmill running and greater maximal muscle strength. Um, so mice treated with this drug had increased bone volume, improved bone thickness, and increased bone mineral content. But results in healthy mice don't translate directly to efficacy during inactivity. So what they did then, they put one group of mice into this position, as I understood it, they hang it by its tail, and uh, so the mice couldn't move. There was no gravity um, action on the um, on any of the um, like muscles or bones of the mice. So um, they kind of mimicked the conditions of inactivity for the next 14 days, putting the mile in this, what they call tail suspension. Um, and then they have the control group who, you know, was regular uh, mice that were just moving around. So the drug-treated mice were compared to the active controls from the first experiment. Uh, the drug treatment was able to slow but not completely prevent bone and muscle mass. Compared to unbound controls, still suspended controls experience at 35 loss of bone mineral content, but the loss of bone mineral Content was reduced to 20% in the tail suspended mice treated with the drug. So basically, the mice that was not treated with the drug that was suspended in its movement, it got 35% of loss of bone mineral content, whereas the mice that was treated with the drug got only 20% reduction in bone mineral content. Um, um, and so the effects are limited, um, even in mice. And while it's, you know, they say it's not substitute for exercise, the drug was able to blunt the effects of sarcopenia and osteoporosis and may prove to be useful as a stopgap during temporary extended periods of inactivity. And um, now, of course, they want to uh, figure out, you know, how it works exactly. And also... Um, Peter, in his newsletter, was talking about will it be effective in people, and uh, he's not that enthusiastic for many different reasons of, you know, the way the experiment was done, what kind of mice they took, but also the differences in um, our hormones, and, you know, humans are, are not mice, so a lot of things have to be um, investigated, but, yeah, that was the news, you know, who knows, maybe one day there will be a peel that will help us to grow muscle and bone density without moving a finger. That was from Peter ITMD. If you don't follow P Peter, um, you know, his podcast Drive or his social media, then please do. A fascinating guy. He always brings to us the best research and always in a balanced manner, not hyping anything, but giving a balanced analysis. Um, then an interesting um, 
read from medical news um, was on early overnutrition rewires developing brains to crave unhealthy food in adulthood. So the whole article was about why it was interesting. Um, they did experiments in mice um, also, and um, actually it was, you know, also published in Molecular Metabolism. Um, what they did is that they overfed mice, mothers' mice, and um, then the control group was not overfed, and they looked at the at the pups, at the you know kids of those mice, and um, the mice that was born from the overfed and obese mice, um, when given healthy food, both mice that were um, born from obese mothers and from non-obese mothers, given healthy food, both of them stayed lean and were perfectly fine with controlling their appetite. But then when you give them unhealthy foods, um, things, you know, like high in fat and sugar, the mice that were born from obese mothers were not able to control their appetite and their brain just didn't have the stop. And they would overeat and they would get um, obese and overweight much, uh, you know, faster and also to a bigger degree. And then the mice that were born from lean mothers, they were okay around sweets and around um, processed foods and they didn't overeat that much. They didn't put on that weight. And the condition was um, they were given food at libidum, basically meaning they could eat whatever they want uh, as much as they want. And so they, um, people born to overweight or obese mothers tend to be heavier in adulthood than people born to leaner mothers. And experiments like this suggest that the explanation goes beyond environmental factors as learning unhealthy eating habits in childhood. Overnutrition during pregnancy and nursing appears to rewire the brains of developing children and possibly future generations. Basically, what it means is they speculate that um uh, People who were born from obese mothers, their brain was rewired in a way that they had difficulty controlling their eating behaviors around highly rewarding processed foods. And I can tell you, folks, why I eat almost zero processed foods ever and zero sugar. Because for some reason, my brain, even though my mom was never obese, is wired that way that whenever I'm around sweets and sugary stuff, I just eat a ton of them. And whenever I'm not, when I'm giving healthy food, I have total, you know, control over my eating habits, never put on weight or overeat or have any difficulties sticking to, you know, my meal plan. And I just know my brain, my sister's brain is exactly the same for whichever reason. I'm thinking it has to do with the highly, you know, driven dopamine system. A lot of actually people with like this drive to achieve, they also in the same uh, kind of group of people, we have difficulty controlling highly rewarding foods, but around healthy foods, just totally fine. So that's why for some of my clients over the course of my career, I noticed that some of my clients would be totally fine with eating just one cookie and some are just like, no, I cannot eat one cookie. I have to have the whole bag. And then you put on weight. So just something interesting for you to think about. If you can't, you know, control your appetite around sweets, um, as well as somebody else, like your friend or somebody in your family, that might have to do with the way your brain wired. There's nothing wrong with you 
it's or your willpower it's just how your brain wired so be aware of that and realize that maybe eliminating uh, processed food for at least a period of time for a month let's say and seeing how your appetite will work and weight etc might give you a clue about what is the best way for you to eat to maintain that ideal body weight and great eating habits now a couple of other pieces of news let's start with this one don't worry, eat happy. Um, it is some, some medical journal. And um, it, it the article is about nutritional psychiatry. You know, this emerging field, I um, read probably like three, four books um, about how different foods affect our mental state and our mental performance. And so the article goes into detail um, about how uh, what we eat affects our brain through different mechanisms via changing our blood sugar, oxidative stress, inflammation, providing building blocks to build actual brain structures. Um, they bring up some data about how 90% of Alzheimer's cases could be prevented and the main determining factor was like nutrition, for example. Um, they bring about a lot of data about how people who have better eating habits, their cognitive decline is slowed down. Um, in the Article, they also talk about the feel-good hormone, the serotonin. When serotonin is at normal levels, you feel more focused, emotional stable, emotionally stable, happier, and calmer, which is why it's often called the feel-good hormone. Hormones, since about 90% of your serotonin is produced in your gastrointestinal tract, um, and your gastrointestinal tract is lined with 100 million nerve cells or neurons, it makes sense that the inner workings of your digestive system don't just help you digest food, but also guide your emotions. So uh, the levels of neurotransmitters Transmitters, folks, highly depend on your diet, from eating sufficient protein to eating the right kind of carbohydrates and a lot of fibers and a lot of different plant compounds. Um, and that level, again, 95% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. And what happens in your gut travels to your brain through gut-brain axis, but also um, indirectly through all the different molecules that your gut bacteria, trillions of them produce, that also travel through your bloodstream towards your brain and all the other organs and tissues. Um so the, the, the doctor who wrote the article, um, this is your brain on food, and she's quoted here, she recommends trying to eat clean, quote-unquote, for two, three weeks and see how it changes your mood, cutting out all processed foods and sugar and seeing if you feel differently. Folks, for any of you, I highly recommend as an experiment to take a month, at least once in your life, and eat a diet that has zero processed foods. By processed foods, we mean stuff that has added sugars, that has flour, white flour, or any kind of flour that has added fats, that has all the ingredients that you wouldn't find in your kitchen. Just stick with that diet. It's actually a normal way of eating that humans, you know, used to it before the uh, food industry processed a bunch of stuff and created products, right? So try this experiment and see how your weight, your eating habits, your mood improves. Um, so this article was all about, again, how eating better produces different emotional states in you. Specifically, serotonin is highly affected by the quality of your diet, not the calories, not the fats, not the carbs, but the quality of the, of the foods where those things come from. 
Um, point number four, bullet <clears throat> number four today, folks, is comes from the Jerusalem Post. Um, it was actually delivered to me by Google. That's why it's kind of like from all over the world. That's why I love Google, you know, and these alerts sending me different articles from around the world about, about brain nutrition. So the article's name, and I love this uh, name because I um, posted in the uh, Entrepreneur Journal uh, not so long ago a, an article that that was about the same, like folk, uh, breakfast <clears throat> in the zone and how different foods you eat for breakfast affect your productivity and your creativity and your mood and your energy, right? So the name of this article is even better. One career success, these are the foods you should include in your diet. And folks, it is true that the foods you put on your plate, they affect your career. How so? In today's fast-paced world, productivity is considered key to success. Therefore, it is important to understand the close relationship between a healthy diet and getting work done. And so they have... Um, so nutrition experts suggest fixing your diet to help you gain professional success goals. Here are um, four main reasons um, for which you need to look at your diet. You need to uh, look at what you eat, um, how that will change your success, your chances for success, whether that's in business or in your career. So number one, efficiency and blood glucose levels. So here they talk about how blood glucose levels, sometimes we feel unproductive, unfocused because um, we because our blood sugar goes low. I talk in my talks, in my articles, I always talk about that, you know, blood sugar regulation. If you eat in a way that doesn't allow your body and your brain regulate blood sugar, meaning consuming fast carbs, added sugars, and white flour, and um, you know maybe drinking a lot of fruit juice or sodas. So if you eat in this way, your blood sugar is going to be high and crushing, high and crushing. And with that, your brain needs steady supply of fuel to function as a machine, almost as a computer, balance, focus, productive, right, engaged, present. For all of that to happen, you need to maintain blood sugar. And eating things like, again, processed carbs does not contribute to that. Also, you know, stress has a lot to do with that. But first, processed carbs that make your blood sugar go up and down. Number two, a healthy mind in a healthy body. Incorporating healthy nutrients in your daily meals is essential for metabolic processes in the body without which your physical and mental health may deteriorate. For example, omega-3 fatty acids and complex carbohydrates, those are with a lot of fiber, um, support the general functioning of the brain and enable focus and creative thinking. Yes, folks, eating things like omega-3 fatty acids that actually are needed every time your brain builds new neural connections. Like if you don't have a lot of them, your brain literally shrinks. There is a lot of data research that I uh, came across over the past several months that that tells us, like, you don't have omega-3s, sufficient amounts, your brain shrinks. And when your brain shrinks, you don't learn that well, you're not that creative, you're not that adaptable, because the way your brain dewires itself, it needs nutrients to make this happen, right? So it's a uh, process driven by experience, but also the physicality of it. If you don't have the building blocks, you're not going to build the house, no matter how good the uh, your blueprint, your plan is. So omega-3s, you know, complex carbohydrates, um, all these nutrients. Uh, stress. 
reduce stress and anxiety. That, of course, can interfere a lot with your productivity, folks. Eating healthy foods helps in reducing stress. Healthy nutrients improve brain function and make it easier to deal with work challenges. Right? So research shows that people who maintain healthy eating habits are less likely to suffer from stress, tension, and anxiety, leading to improved performance. So folks, if you're thinking, why am I so anxious after my meals? Maybe it's because of your meals, right? And maybe that's where you're losing a ton of your productivity. You know, these days, it's not about working harder. A lot of people are working harder. It's about working smarter. And improving your nutrition will allow you to do that because it will allow the brain to do its best job. Your brain is kind of like, you know, machine, but it's just biological machine. And so it needs nutrients to build itself and to fuel itself. Number four, improving sleep. Healthy meals lead to better sleep. Did you know, folks, that your sleep actually also requires quite a lot of nutrients and um, stable blood sugar and reduced uh, inflammation, um, etc. So your body has also a natural internal clock, and the more you align it with your diet, the more you can reach your full potential throughout the day. This is because foods affect your circadian rhythms, the one that switches on your brain or turns it on and makes it ready to work, right? So a natural internal process that regulates sleep-wake cycle. Did you know, folks, that your sleep-wake cycle will be affected by when you eat your food as well? So if you want to have great sleep, you got to eat on great schedule aligned with your circadian clock basically means, um, you know, in the hours that you are awake, obviously, but also that are not late. Um, ideally, by sunset, you should be done with eating and you should not be eating um, after that. And all of that affects your productivity and career and a lot of other things. And the last but not least, um, analysis, why the mind diet is gaining momentum. So a recent study published in Neurology Foreign found that people who followed the mind diet, by the way, it's actually a very simple diet, folks, um, may have, and there is a book that I read, it's called The Mind Diet, just Google it. Have, so the people who eat this diet have fewer amyloid plaques and tau tangles, which are signs of Alzheimer's disease. According to the study, other individuals um, experience, well, individuals on mind diet experience a slower decline in cognitive function over the course of five years compared to those who did not follow it. Um, and the diet is, you know, very simple, rich in fruit and vegetables, especially leafy greens and berries. And also people on the mild diet eat, um, you know, seafood and whole grains and other vegetables, beans, nuts and seeds. Basic idea, folks, eliminate processed stuff. It will help your brain to not decline in cognitive function, uh, help you to prevent um, things like dementia and Alzheimer's. Nobody wants to be losing their mind, right, uh, at the end of their uh, life. So the basic idea here today, start the first step, eliminate all the processed crap. Even if it's for months, see how you're going to feel better, perform better already. And then think about that. If it makes you feel so much better, and I have zero doubt that it will, if it has, <clears throat> if it can make you feel better in just months, what happens over the course of year, five years, 10 years? <clears throat> Hydration, by the way, just got a sip of water. What's going to happen <clears throat> over the course of 
10 years, 20 years, like a lot, you will change your brain dramatically. And the course of your life, because of those changes in your brain, will also be changed dramatically. Of course, you cannot leave both scenarios, unfortunately, but from all the data we have, you can have zero doubt, folks, that your life will be completely different, much better. You're going to experience life at a richer level. Your brain is the depths of your experience, folks. Just think about that. So you're going to experience life on a much better level when you take care of your brain. And taking care of your brain is eating unprocessed foods. Also, of course, there are specifics, eating certain kinds of fats and certain kind of proteins, but then also, you know, fruit and vegetables and eating your berries and, you know, dark chocolate is amazing for your brain. So there are a lot of specifics and I I am always digging deeper and deeper into that. So if you need actually advice on brain nutrition, simple advice, feel free to schedule our session. Just email me, Angela at brainbreakthroughcoach.com and I'm going to walk you through a very simple protocol, how to eat for the best performing mind. That being said, guys, that is it for today. Hope you learned a lot of fascinating, uh, useful pieces of data, hopefully also inspirational, so you could look at your play closer and decide that from now on, I'm going to put there something that is feeding my best mind, that is feeding my best brain, because that will translate into better work, better business, better life experience. So hope, folks, again, it was inspirational, and you're going to take better actions for the consultation on brain nutrition and nutritional psychiatry. Please schedule our session, Angela at BrainDreakthroughCoach.com. Also, please do share this episode with anyone who has doubts about how important it is to eat well for your brain, right? So share this podcast episode. Also, please review us, read, so this podcast reaches more and more people. And till next time, folks, eat for the best brain ever and stay tuned. I'll talk to you very soon.